0: Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, let's open those up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 8 to 20. This morning we're going to use this as a launching point. Uh, This week as Advent continues and as christmas quickly approaches i don't know if any of you uh gasped when uh randy said that that's next like this coming saturday so uh if you're not ready ready or not here it comes okay so uh as christmas quickly approaches we're going to look at the concept of joy and we're going to look at what a relationship with christ offers us uh, so that we can have that joy and as we consider Uh, the ways that we can and we're going to consider ways we can cultivate that joy as well if that's something that we have a tendency to struggle with and so that's my goal here this morning and we're going to use Luke 2 uh, 8 to 20 to launch into that there's also going to be a few other passages that are on your worship guide Uh, they're on that front page of your worship guide there Uh, so if you like to follow along as I read there's your opportunity to get there before I do all right so let's uh, pray together this morning and then we'll get into it father we're grateful and for the coming of Christ, we're grateful for what the Christmas season means, and I pray that we would be people who are uh, pushing aside a lot of the world's uh, understanding of Christmas, with it being uh, time off and gifts of holidays and maybe even struggle with family and friends uh, as we try to get our schedules to match up and, uh, and to do all that. Lord, I pray that we would be people, though, as, as the church, we would be people who uh, push aside all the uh, distractions of the holiday season and we would really focus in on uh, the coming of Jesus. That we would experience the hope that the coming of Jesus brought. We would experience peace. And today as we discuss joy, that we would be reminded of all the promises that you have kept before Christ came and in Him coming we can uh, trust in the promises for what you have given us for the future. And because of that we can cultivate joy. And so as we discuss that here this morning, I pray the Holy Spirit would impress upon us uh, these truths that we find in your word. Uh, Lord, we love you. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. All right, so when we consider the grand narrative of scripture, when I talk about the grand narrative of scripture, I'm talking about the whole thing from start to finish creation uh, to redemption and restoration. Uh, When we think about our place in history as God's people, it's my opinion, now obviously you know some people could differ on this, it's my opinion that we should consider ourselves privileged people. Right, we should be uh, considered privileged because uh, we sit at a time where we have heard about and we have seen God's promises fulfilled over and over again for thousands of years. Right? We have future promises that we are waiting on that we can have hope in, that we can find peace in, and we can experience joy because we have seen thousands of years of God's promises fulfilled in Christ through his life, death, and resurrection. And so as Jesus ascends to heaven, there's a promise that he will come in the future. And that all this bad that we experience from it on a daily basis in this dark and broken world, all of this stuff is gone. Because when Jesus comes back, everything will be set right. And so we sit at a privileged time Because in our place, we have the promises of the Old Testament. We got to see the fulfillment of those promises in the New Testament and the promises that these other promises will be fulfilled. And we can trust that all of this stuff is going to come true because God keeps his promises. Right from the beginning, when God spoke everything into being, there's only been one constant thing throughout all of time. There's only been one thing constant that we can trust in, that we can put our hope in, that we can find peace in, because everything else is broken by sin. The only thing that we can put our hope in is God. He's the only one that consistently keeps his promises. He's the only one whose nature and character doesn't change no matter what's going on. You've heard of people getting hangry, right? They get angry because they're hungry. Yeah, God doesn't experience that. Right? He doesn't get overly emotional because he's tired. He doesn't get overly upset because of the things going on around him. He's consistent. Right? He doesn't break promises because something else came up and now he just can't do the thing that he said he was going to do. Right, God is the one constant uh, person that we can experience and have relationship with throughout all of history. Everything else has been broken. Everything else has been cursed. Everything else is going down the drain except for the nature and character of God. So all the way at the beginning, when sin entered our world, God made a promise that one would come and he would make all things right. Right, And the people of God waited with joyful expectation for that promised Savior, the one that was going to come, the one that was going to sacrifice himself, the one that was going to die on our behalf, and they look forward to a future that everything is back the way it was meant to be. Right. So we look forward to that future, and throughout the Old Testament, God reiterates this promise. There's one coming who's going to set this right. This one that's coming, He's going to be named the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. That's the one that's coming. That's the one that will be our Savior. right? Do you want more promises? He's going to be conceived by a virgin. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. right? Do you need more evidence of this? Right, he's going to be a man who experiences a life full of suffering. He's going to die on a cross, promised in Psalm twenty-two before crucifixion was ever a thing. Right, and he's going to save his people from their sins, and all of these promises can be found throughout the Old Testament, and all of these promises found their fulfilling in Jesus, in the coming of Christ. On the night that Jesus arrived, the final part of God's redemption story fell into place. Right? The joy of that promise erupted into the night sky as angels announced the birth of Christ to a group of shepherds that are sitting there watching their sheep. Luke records this event in this way. Luke 2, 8-20. It says in that same region, Shepherds were staying out in the fields and watching their flocks at night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and they found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary was treasuring all these things up in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. So Jesus is finally here, right? We've got thousands of years of anticipation, thousands of years of promises of people waiting on God to fulfill this promise where the Savior of the world would come into this world and the people around him are amazed at his entrance, right? And there's, this continued promise throughout the announcement of the angels that his arrival brings good news and that there will be great joy for all the people. And now when you see joy, the word joy in the Scriptures, there's usually two main understandings of the word. Right? It usually either means gladness in the Lord and it usually means rejoice. Right? That's usually how you're going to find it. In our English translation specifically, it's going to either mean gladness in the Lord or rejoicing, the act of rejoicing. So, in joy, we have an attitude that is in God's people regarding God. Because of their hope in His love and in His promises, they can experience joy that is ultimately rooted in the person of Christ, right? Because God constantly fulfills his promises, and is unwavering in his love, God's people can have joy, right? And when God's people have that attitude, right, when we experience that joy, it moves from this internal mindset, right, where we're living in our head with all the emotions and everything else, we can push all that aside because of the truth of God's word, the truth of his promises, the nature of his character, We can have that mindset. We can focus in on that joy, which brings contentment and delight in God, right? Which is unshakable because it's based on the nature and character of God. And then that moves from an internal mindset to an external expression of the attitude of rejoicing, right? So we have joy in here and we express that through rejoicing, And so when the angels came to declare that they bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people, they're saying that the promises of God are being fulfilled with the incarnation of the Messiah. And that's going to eventually lead to the atoning sacrifice of Jesus for our sin. And so for those who will put their faith in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, there's suddenly this movement from hopelessness to joy. Right. I mean, we, we mentioned a little bit last week about the fickleness of happiness, right? If, we, if we're just living for happiness, like it's, it's a failure from start to finish. One minute to the next, we can go from happy to, to miserable, right? And so when we think about that, like everything that we would put our hope in other than Christ should not necessarily bring us happiness, but sadness. And I mean, it's, it's really hopeless because all of that stuff can go away at some point. Right? But the things that bring us joy, right? The thing that we are rooted in so that we can experience that joy and, and show that through our rejoicing, does not waver. The nature and character of God does not waver no matter what happens to us. And so with this in mind, for God's people, joy, it's not determined by our circumstances, but by our current relationship with God. Right. So we have this relationship with God that has been established through Christ and it it sets in stone that future destiny is adopted sons and daughters of the king. Right. So, like, yeah, I mean, we might be going through some hard times right now, but my future destiny is reigning alongside Christ as a co-heir. Right. Sons and daughters of the king. No sin, no pain, no experience of hopelessness or depression anymore, right? We have these promises. And that is why the people of God can experience the devastation that this world will often bring. I mean, and inevitably, inevitably brings it. And so we can have the mindset of Job through this relationship with Christ, which says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right, He had just lost his whole world. He lost his wealth. He lost his children. The only thing he was left with was a nagging wife. And he says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right, He found joy in God, not in all the other things that God had given him. So that's how Paul, who can be sitting in a Roman prison and write this, regarding peace from Philippians 4, 4-9. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. So, Paul tells us in all circumstances to rejoice. To rejoice. As followers of Christ, when we see the commands in Scripture to be joyful or to rejoice in all circumstances, we should remember that this call to rejoice isn't based on what's currently happening, right? I mean, how do you rejoice when you're in prison? How do you rejoice when a loved one is dying? Like, we're not rejoicing in the circumstance, Right? The call to rejoice is based on what happened at the cross and what will happen when Christ makes all things new. We don't have to act as if, as if bad things aren't happening. Right? We don't put on these plastic smiles and when somebody says, hey, how are you doing? We don't have to be like, praise be to God, doing great, brother. Doing wonderful, sister, thank you so much. Praise be to God. Blessed be the Lord. Right? We can honestly say, hey, look, guys, my life right now is hard. Legit. like That's not me saying something for somebody else. My life right now is hard. Right? Dividing time up between the hospital and home and then dealing with uh, a, a little girl who likes to tantrum for hours, hours of screaming when she doesn't get her way. Right? It's hard. We are tired, but we have joy. Because what's going on in our life doesn't change the nature and character of God. It doesn't change the future promises that God has given to us, right? We don't have to pretend that everything is fine, right? Paul, in 2 Corinthians 6, 3 through 10, says this, we're not giving anyone an occasion for offense so that the ministry will not be blamed. Instead, as God's ministers... We commend ourselves in everything by great endurance. All right, listen to these. By afflictions, by hardships, by difficulties, by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labors, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, through slander and good report, regarded as deceivers, yet true, as unknown, yet recognized, as dying, yet see, we live, as being disciplined, yet not killed, as grieving, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet enriching many, as having nothing, yet possessing everything, we have spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. I speak as to my children as a proper response Open your heart to us. Now, this is a guy who just said that you are to rejoice in all circumstances. All circumstances. And he's sharing about the sorrow that God's ministers have experienced. Right? He talks about being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing in verse 10. So he's being real with everything that's going on with him. And yet we see there that he is still rejoicing. When something bad happens, right? When we lose a loved one, when we lose our job, when the bank comes and repossesses our home, right? When someone actively persecutes us because of our faith, that doesn't mean that we just go on with life and act as though nothing bad has happened, right? We are legit about the struggles that we have going on in our life, and the church should be a safe place for those struggles right the hardships that we're experiencing we should have people that are circling around us and we should have people that are encouraging us supporting us bearing one another's burdens Right? we should have that it's fine to acknowledge our pain but in that pain we also need to make the choice of trusting god in those moments Right? We trust in God's promises in those moments. We trust that our loss, whatever that struggle is, is not the final word. Now, it might be the word that lasts the longest in our whole life. We may struggle from this point forward, from our whole life, but it's not the final word. It's not the last thing that God has for us in our existence. Maybe in this life, but certainly not in the life to come. Right? In Psalm. In the psalm, Psalm 30, verses 4 and 5, the psalmist says this, Sing to the Lord, you His faithful ones, and praise His holy name. For His anger lasts only a moment, but His favor, a lifetime weeping, may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. There's joy in the morning. right? There is a timetable set for our sorrow. Right there is a an alarm is going to go off some point in our existence and sorrow is going to cease. Right we can count on that we can bank on that we can put our hope peace and joy in that because someday the alarm is going to ring and sorrow ends. And then there is nothing but joy in the morning. Right and the good thing is about joy is that we're capable of cultivating that and becoming joyful people, all right? It's not not something that just happens to us. We can can actively work on it, right? Christian joy is not something that only happens in a super spiritual believer, You don't have to be an apostle to be joyful, right? It doesn't Come only to the seasoned Christian who's seen it all and is wise beyond measure, right? Joy is a choice that can be obtained much the same way that a good physique can be obtained, right? If you want it, you have to train for it. You have to work for it. And I want us to consider some ways that we can work in our lives to cultivate joy. All right, so one way that we can cultivate joy, is to constantly rehearse with God the reasons that you trust Him. All right? Constantly rehearse with God the reasons that you trust Him. If you want to be a joyful person, you need to be a person of prayer. You need to be spending time with God and in God's Word. And so it begins with prayer, and through prayer, we need to talk about God to God. All right? start talking to him about all of his attributes right you're omnipresent you're omniscient right you've got you're, const, you're all love you're all justice right you just keep throwing out all these attributes of God to God and while you're doing that you're reminding yourself of who he is he hasn't forgotten sometimes we have we forget who God is and that's when joy starts to slip through our fingers because we have taken our eyes off of who God is. And when that happens, our joy begins to fade. But when we keep Him constantly before ourselves, before our eyes, in our heart, then our joy can be unwavering. Right? The reason that we can have joy is because God doesn't change. Right? All those things that were true, 2,000 years ago are still true today and if He tarries and doesn't come back for 10,000 more years, they're still true. Right? So when He loved His people enough to sacrifice His Son 2,000 years ago, He still loves His people the exact same way today. No matter what we are going through. When He delivered His people from their enemies over and over again throughout the Old Testament, He is still capable of doing that today. Right? He has not changed. Now that doesn't always mean that He delivers us the way that we want to be delivered. And that's a really hard truth because when we think about Him having the power to deliver us from all this stuff, and yet He doesn't deliver us from this stuff, it, it, sometimes it's confusing. Right, This is one of the biggest hang-ups that people have with the Christian faith. Right, You've got the, the problem of evil. Right, God is all-powerful and all-loving. But one of these things can't be true because there's so much bad stuff that happens to people in this world. Right? Just because he is capable, he has a plan, and that plan may lead us into some struggle. Right? Paul says in Romans 8 that that struggle makes us look more like Jesus. We may never understand it, but in the process of us struggling and fighting, God uses all things for the good of those. Who love him and and are making us to look more like Christ in these struggles. And so God is capable of removing all this stuff and he is worthy of our worship. Right? We see this a little bit in the book of Daniel. You remember the the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Right? They are taken before King Nebuchadnezzar, they're thrown before him and they said he says look you will either bow down before me or i'll throw you in this fire and they say to him god can't keep this from happening he has the power he can keep this from happening but even if he doesn't keep this from happening we're still not going to worship you we will not worship you and if you'll remember what happened they went in the furnace Right? But God was with them in the furnace and they were supernaturally saved from that. And God is with us throughout all of our struggles, no matter what. And He will always be there. So if we will remind ourselves of the truths of God's nature and His character, it will help us to remember when life struggles inevitably come. Right? So many times when we lose sight of our joy, it's because we've either forgotten who God is, or we have forgotten who we are in relationship with Him. Maybe we don't think that anything about God has changed, but we think, well, maybe I've done something and that has separated us in that relationship. But no, no, no. God's affection for you never changes. Because it's rooted in Christ, not you. There's nothing that you can do to make Him love you anymore. You can read your Bible, you can pray, you can tithe, you can come to church, you can serve the poor. You can do all of those things, and God doesn't love you because of any of that. He loves you because of Christ. You should do all of that because of Christ, but He doesn't love you for that reason. And you can have the worst day of your life where you struggle with your sin, you struggle with your relationships, you struggle with all this stuff going on in your life, And God doesn't love you any less because He never loved you because of what you did, because of what Christ did for you. And that never changes so that we can have joy. All right? Another way that we can cultivate joy is to surround ourselves with joyful people. All right? You ever been around someone that's just grumpy all the time? Just all the time. Oscar the Grouch. right? And if you stay around that person long enough, it won't be long before you start reflecting some of their habits. All of a sudden, you start thinking like Oscar the Grouch. Our environment, the people that we surround ourselves with on a consistent basis is important. It's crazy to think that who we surround ourselves doesn't impact us in any way. It doesn't influence us in any way, right? This is one of the many reasons why the church is so important, right? Now, we're not suppo- this is not a bomb shelter, guys. We don't come in here and huddle up and surround ourselves with people and never deal with outside people because guess what? There's grumpy people here too, right? Oh, that's what I'm talking about, Asher. Asher knows. There's grumpy people here too. There's people here who have a pessimistic outlook on life, right? That's just, that's the nature of hu- humanity. All right, so we can't insulate ourselves from the world by hiding in here, but the people here should have a different outlook than the people out there. If we're believers in Christ, if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be able to come here, worship together, praise God together, encourage one another, rebuke one another, hold each other accountable. We should have all of this stuff And because of our relationship with God, we should be some of the most joyful people on the planet. Right? When we sing, our eyes should light up. Doesn't matter what song's being sung, doesn't matter if you know the words. We're praising God. The God that loved you enough before the foundation of the world to send Jesus to live, die, and rise again for you. You should be one of the most joyful people on the planet. And the church should be a place where we can gather those joyful people together and we can be uh, having iron sharpening iron. And then when we leave this place, we take that joy out into the world, into a dark and dying world who doesn't understand the hope that we have in Christ. And we should be a beacon, a light on a hill, showing people that there is a different way to live. But we need each other. We need the church. And a third way... To cultivate joy is to think about trials redemptively. Think about your trials redemptively. Paul says, and I mentioned this earlier, that uh, the trials that we experience are shaping us into the image of Christ. It's not saying that it's good when a loved one dies, when we lose our job, when a house burns down. Whatever it is that you are experiencing, it doesn't mean that those trials themselves are good. It just means that they're redemptive. God is using them to change you into the person that he wants you to be, which is Jesus. Right? James says in chapter 1 of his letter that we should consider it all joy when we experience trials because those trials produce endurance in our faith. Right? If you want to get stronger in your faith, then you have to experience things that push against that faith. Right? And then as you push back with the promises of God, the nature and character of God, right, it's like pushing weights in a weight room. And eventually, you're going to bulk up in your faith. You're going to bulk up in your hope and in your peace and your joy. Right? And these trials that are pressing against you, you press back, not in your power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through your life, you will eventually become more like Jesus. And so it's hard when we are in the middle of the trial to remember this. We have to remember this before the trial gets here and continue to remind ourselves of that as we go through the trial. Just remember, God is using that trial to make you more like Jesus. And lastly, to cultivate joy in your life, we have to make praise and gratitude a habit. Praise and gratitude a habit. Praise God in all circumstances. Right? Not, and again, I'm not saying that fake stuff, right? Where like you can be bickering all the way with your family, all the way to church, and as soon as the door opens up, hey, everybody, glad to see you. We're good. Everything's fine. Nobody argues in our house. Right? Like that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is praising God in all circumstances, right? Bickering all the way to church, the door, door slides open, and they get, somebody goes, hey, how are you doing? And you go, that stump, I hated it, but praise be to God, they're going to grow up and move out of the house someday. Amen. Praise God in all circumstances. Right? Does it feel like your circumstances have you in hell? Does it? You ever been there? If not, you'll be there at some point. Right? Life promises us Struggle. It might feel like it, but we're really not. No matter how bad this world may be, it will be nothing like hell, and that is worthy of our praise. No matter how bad the, the trip to clean out your family member's house is, no matter how hard it is to pick up the rubble when the house burns down, right? it's not hell. And we have promises that this world and this life is going to be as bad for the believer in Christ as it will ever be. And we have a promise of eternity of nothing but joy forevermore in the presence of Christ. And so we can praise God for that, even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of the struggle. Has God met a need for you ever? Praise Him. Praise Him. You're not owed that. God doesn't owe you anything. So if He has met a need, then you need to praise Him. You need to thank Him. Has He given you challenges To strengthen your faith. Right? Have you accidentally made the mistake of praying for patience and God put people in your life to see if you really meant it? Praise Him. Praise Him that it increases your relationship with God. If nothing else, it makes you pray to Him every day to move these people back out of your life. (laughs) Praise Him. Pray to Him. Joy... Flows from a responsive and grateful heart. It's not something that we can passively experience. It's something that we have to pursue and cultivate and surround ourselves with people who are pursuing it and cultivating that. Right, and if we will do that, then we will be joyful people. It is something that is attainable because it's rooted in Christ. Right, so, how is your joy doing this morning? How's everybody doing? Right. If you're struggling to find joy, I guarantee you it's because you have taken your focus off of God. You're focusing on your circumstances. You're living in pursuit of happiness instead of joy. I guarantee you if you're struggling with that, that's what's going on. And if that's you here today, let's talk about it. All right? Let's move past the... Flippant, how are you doing? Fine. You know, that's, that's as you're passing in the hallway, that's the expected answer. Let's, let's be more than that to each other in this place. Let's be brothers and sisters in Christ. People who are willing to sacrifice for one another. People who are willing to bear one another's burdens. And I want to be that for you. And I want you to be that for me. And so if you're struggling for joy here today, let me know. Let's grab coffee. Let's grab dinner. Let's pray together. I would love that. So all you got to do is share that with me. And if you are someone who has an abundance of joy, then be willing to share that with other people. Right? Let's push aside the busyness that this life says is important and be present for one another as the church. Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful for the promises that you have made. I'm grateful for the promises that you have kept in Christ. And I'm grateful that I can hold on to the promises that you have made for the future because your nature and character never change. Help us to cultivate joy. Help us to be people who go from this place into a dark and dying world and show them who you are and how we can trust you. And I want people to ask these questions because of the joy that we have in our heart. Right? Not... not a fake facade that we put on so that we don't let people in and so that people aren't uh, confused by our struggle. But Lord, I want people to see the hurt, see the struggle, and then see that we are clinging to you with everything that we have. And because of that, it makes you a reality in their life. They can see it because of who, uh, of how we are experiencing our relationship with you. So, Lord, take us use us, send us out, help us to show the world the beauty of the cross and help us to find joy in that from this moment and on. And we love you. It's in your son's precious name that I pray. Amen.